0: Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we're going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the warning woods. 3.17am. 16 minutes until it comes. It takes three steps toward my little upstairs room. It knocks three times against the wall behind my grandmother's crucifix. Then, after I've been properly tenderized by this terrifying prelude, it rattles the doorknob. You guessed it. Three times. I haven't been able to recall anything that happens between when the bedroom door cracks open and when I've woken up each morning at seven. My shrill alarm splits my head apart as if I'm hungover, even though I gave up the drink nearly three years ago. There's that damn number again. That's just a coincidence, though, I think. The significance of three was explained to me by my grandmother's priest. He is a younger man than I expected, in his early thirties like myself. I met him at grandmother's funeral, and he insisted on staying in touch afterwards, I gave him my number, but didn't mince words about my distaste for religion. "'It's nothing personal, sir,' I said, intentionally rejecting the term father. He replied, "'None taken, son.' Maybe it was the mischievous shimmer in his eye, but somehow I knew he had called me son on purpose. The conversation suddenly felt like a game. Red jumps black." Recognizing the man under the robes as more than the stoic mouthpiece of God he portrayed at the altar helped me relax and allow a friendship to grow. Until a few days ago, I thought our friendship had been an organic product of that first encounter. I thought he had asked to stay in touch simply out of courtesy to my grandmother's memory. I was moving into her old house, after all. I learned the truth when I invited Sean, the priest, although around here everyone else calls him Father Mueller, over for a game of chess on Friday night. Since going straight, I've found Fridays to be the most important days to occupy myself with an innocent activity and figured, who better to be innocent with than a priest? Sean, apparently a fan of dark humor, brought with him a bottle of sparkling grape juice complete with a real cork. I thought we'd have a drink this evening, he said, handing me the bottle do you happen to have a bottle opener? The words that came to mind seemed inappropriate to use in front of a priest, even for me. We shared a good laugh, and I invited him in. Once he was inside, I noticed what else he was carrying. A leather satchel just the right size for some papers, or a laptop. Oh no, your holiness, the big guy isn't making you work overtime, is he? I asked, pointing to the case. To my disappointment, Sean didn't laugh or even crack a smile. In fact, the humor lingering in his eyes from the grape juice gag evaporated. "'I'm going to be honest with you, Henry,' he told me. "'I would love to play a good game with you, but in order to feel comfortable here, I would like to perform an exorcism.' I tried not to react, assuming Sean was just trying to get a rise out of me. "'Was this another joke? Some kind of prank?' "'Now, I know what you're thinking,' Sean continued." "'You're probably picturing green vomit and heads spinning around. "'You've seen The Exorcist?' I interrupted. "'I'm a priest, Henry, not a monk,' he replied. "'A real exorcism, one that isn't dressed up for Hollywood, "'is quite tame and more common than you might think, actually.' "'Okay. What does it involve, exactly?' I asked. "'I'll go room to room, anointing the doorways with holy water and a brief prayer. "'We'll finish up here at the front door, and that will be all,' he said lightly. "'Suit yourself.' still feels like my grandma's house anyway. I led him toward the kitchen. So why do you want to do an exorcism anyway? Sean placed his satchel on the table and opened it. He withdrew a stole, which he draped around his neck, and a small vial of what I assumed to be holy water. Could I borrow your Bible? he asked. I scolded him for this joke with an admonishing glare. He smirked, but I saw no humor in his eyes. The moment passed awkwardly, and I started to wonder if Sean was just avoiding my question. He pulled his own Bible out of the satchel as I repeated, Why do you want to do this, Sean? Because I'm a priest, Henry. Call us superstitious. You'd probably be right. I didn't buy it. Was I supposed to believe he performed exorcisms in every house he visited? I didn't think he just happened to bring his little satchel of sacraments. Before he closed the satchel and slung it back over his shoulder, I noticed an enormous crucifix that had been laying beneath the Bible. I didn't dare ask about it. Sean crossed himself, tossed some holy water on the doorway to my living room, and whispered some words too softly and quick for me to hear. Once he seemed finished, I said, I have always thought my grandma was a devout Catholic. If there are evil spirits here, why wouldn't she have asked you to do this before? I was almost afraid to ask. Something seemed different about Sean that night. I got the distinct feeling he was withholding something important from me. A fair question, he replied. Your grandma wouldn't let me exercise this house while she was alive. I pressed and prodded for her reason for years. It's something your grandfather liked to have done regularly for no reason other than peace of mind. I thought your grandma would like to keep up the practice in his memory, but she practically slammed the door in my face when I tried to come in. I think her respect of my position is all that kept her from chasing me off with that. He pointed to my grandfather's shotgun, which was mounted above the fireplace. Let's go upstairs. Your grandma was just different after he died, Sean continued as we climbed the stairs. Grandpa? Yes. She still came to church, but otherwise became a bit of a recluse. She paid Penelope Dixon to run errands for her so she wouldn't ever really need to leave the house. At first, we all thought she was just grieving in solitude, but the weeks became months, then years. I had no idea, I said, somewhat reflecting to myself. It saddened me to imagine my grandmother— a woman I hadn't seen since my grandfather's funeral, alone in this house for years on end, leaving only to visit the stuffy church and participate in rote mass. Well, most people lose touch with their elder relatives. Sorry, I don't mean to be insensitive. I've just seen it happen often enough to recognize the trend. It's just a fact, really. And we know you're all about the facts, I taunted. Sean actually laughed at this, then stopped at the top of the stairs in front of the room which had once been my grandfather's study. He crossed himself, then sprinkled the holy water. The door slammed shut on its own. I jumped back in surprise and expected Sean to do the same, but he dropped to his knees and began reciting rushed prayers. As he whispered, he reached one hand into the satchel on his hip. His eyes were closed, but he never shifted his face away from the door. While I cowered against the wall, Sean raised the crucifix and raised his voice. As he said, by the holy power of Christ. The crucifix started glowing red. Sean cried out and dropped it on the floor where it lay still and smoking. Three thunderous booms pounded behind the study door and Sean scrambled up to his feet. He grabbed the sleeve of my shirt and pulled me up too. ''We aren't safe here,'' he shouted, then almost dragged me down the stairs and out the front door. ''What the hell was that?'' I asked once we were outside. The worst of my fears confirmed. ''I'm so sorry. I should have come sooner. I shouldn't have let your grandmother turn me away.'' Stop! Just tell me what you think is happening. What is in my house? Sean led me to his car and gestured for me to get in. He got in too and locked the doors. Your grandmother thought it was your grandfather, he said. She told me she could speak to him and he spoke back to her. I knew she was wrong. You may find this hard to imagine, but I don't believe in ghosts. Scripture doesn't give any indication that the soul hangs out here after death. The only paranormal beings existing around us are angels and demons, I finished for him. So you're telling me I've got a demonic roommate? A demonic roommate who has probably been waiting for the perfect opportunity to start tormenting you, Sean said. Your grandma's faith was too strong to crack, but you've got no faith to begin with. I'm surprised it hasn't already tried to break you. I've certainly woken it up now, though. It's going to be aggressive, probably even dangerous. So, just exercise it, I said. Isn't that what you were doing in the first place? I'll be honest, I was mostly performing the ritual for peace of mind. Real exorcisms of acute entities require someone with years of training and experience. I could try, but I'm telling you the result will probably just be a more hostile presence. This is insane, I said, slumping further into Sean's passenger seat. If anyone had told me I'd ever be concerned about a demonic presence in my house... I would have told them to check themselves into a psych ward, but I couldn't deny what I had seen and heard. So what should we do? I asked. Why don't you stay with me tonight? Sean recommended. We can make a plan in the morning. The next morning when I woke up on Sean's couch, I felt different about everything. Sleep had relaxed my mind and allowed space for reason to creep in between worries about demonic forces. Sean hadn't woken up yet, And I decided to let him sleep and leave on my own. Of course, that meant walking home on a brisk February morning, but I borrowed a coat from Sean's front rack and told myself I needed the exercise anyway. The image of a demon in shorts and a sweatband came to mind, and I enjoyed a brief, internal laugh. Everything seemed normal back at my house, so I decided to have a closer look at the study. I thought maybe I could find a rational explanation for what had happened the previous evening. I had spent very little time in the study, since I had been scolded often for peeking in there as a child. My grandfather had been very protective of his private space. The lingering effects of these scoldings had made me hesitant to explore the room, even though Grandpa had been dead for years, and the house now belongs to me. I searched Grandpa's old cherry desk. I was disappointed, although I'm unsure why when all I found in the first few drawers were a few pens, a pair of scissors, and a quarter bottle of scotch. I set the bottle on the desk and promised myself I would dump it down the drain as soon as I finished. It wasn't until I opened the bottom drawer that I found anything interesting, and then I became terrified. In the drawer, I found a Ouija board, a planchette, and worst of all, Sean's crucifix. How did that get in there, I wondered. The Ouija board may have confused me too if Sean hadn't mentioned that my grandma was trying to talk to grandpa after he died. People do strange, unpredictable things in grief. My phone rang. It was Sean, of course. Where'd you get off to so early? He asked. Walked home, I replied. I hope you don't mind, I borrowed your coat. Sure, he said. Everything all right there? I really wish you would have woken me so we could go back together. Well, the... I was going to tell him about the crucifix in the drawer, but a new consideration caused me to hold my tongue. I'd been living in the house for weeks without incident. It wasn't until Sean had come over with his stole and his holy water and started praying over the place that any problems occurred. Maybe whatever was in the house, if there really was anything at all, would leave me be if I showed it the same courtesy. The house is fine, I said. Everything's normal. If you want, I can bring you your crucifix when I return your coat. Sean agreed to meet that afternoon, insisting we do so at his house this time, and we hung up. Unfortunately, Penelope Dixon dropped dead an hour before our meeting, and Sean was obligated to be with her family to coach them through their loss. So I spent an uneventful day in my house alone, or so I hoped. That night marked the beginning of my torment. At 3.33, I heard the first footstep on the stairs. It was echoed by two more. Somehow their maker had managed to come up the previous nine steps silently. I threw off the covers and sat up in bed. I wanted to be ready to run, but I dared not make a sound yet. After a tortuous pause came three knocks on the wall above my head. I would later note, as I've already mentioned the locus of the knocks was directly behind my grandmother's crucifix, which still hung on the wall. When the doorknob rattled one, two, three times, I jumped off the bed and went to the window. There was a sheer two-story drop on the other side, but I opened it anyway and prepared myself to jump if the intruder entered the room. The door wasn't locked. I wasn't sure why whoever was on the other side hadn't simply come in. I placed my foot on the windowsill, ready to break through the screen. The door cracked open and… I woke up to the sound of my alarm without any recollection of returning to bed. I wondered if the entire experience had been a nightmare. It seemed perfectly plausible that the bizarre experience with Sean and the discovery of occult objects in my grandfather's study could have induced such a dream. I decided Sean would exaggerate the nightmare into some symptom of spiritual warfare and opted not to tell him about it. He was probably busy with church duties anyway, but the exact same pattern repeated last night at 3.33. Three steps, three knocks, this time nearly buffeting the crucifix off the wall, and three shakes of the doorknob. Again, I woke to my alarm with no memory of the hours in between. This morning, I had proof that it wasn't just a nightmare, and that I needed to take action quickly. After I woke, I licked my chapped lips. The taste of scotch lingered on them. I realized I had forgotten to dump that bottle and had to fight the urge to go finish it off if I hadn't already. I decided to give Sean a call that afternoon when I knew he would be done with Mass. Rather than indulge him with the whole story, I only asked a simple question. Is there any biblical significance to the number three? Well, of course, he answered happily. "'There's the Holy Trinity for starts. "'What about on the other side?' I asked. "'He said, I'm not sure I follow. "'Let's say, hypothetically, a demon knocks on your door three times. "'Would that mean anything to you?' "'Hmm,' Sean grunted. "'A suspicious tone harmonized with his voice as he answered. "'Demons have reportedly used the number three to mock the Trinity. "'They've co-opted it as a signal for evil.' Henry, I can't ignore my instincts here. I assume the reason you're asking this question is because the oppression has begun. Oppression? I asked, not truly wanting to hear his answer. Demonic oppression is the stage before possession. Most people are familiar with the latter thanks to Hollywood, but oppression is actually far more common and can often go unnoticed by the untrained eye. It's when an evil spirit, a demon by the church's standards, slowly torments or oppresses a human spirit until it's weak enough to corrupt. Henry, I… he paused dramatically. I believe this is what happened to your grandfather. Impossible, I said. Grandpa blew his own head off with that shotgun above the mantle. The same one you said grandma almost threatened you with. But why? Did he show any suicidal tendencies before choosing to end his life? Any warning signs, depression, financial stress? Unless you've heard differently, I was told his death was shockingly unexpected. Your grandfather was a strong, righteous man. How else could you explain his actions then, if not by blaming an outside force? If he was so righteous, how did a demon convince him to swallow a shotgun, I asked bitterly. Well, your grandfather already had a different type of demon, one I believe you are intimately familiar with. I've heard alcoholism is hereditary, inebriation weakens the mind, the body, and spirit. I found a Ouija board in his study, I said, trying to avoid any more discussion of alcohol. I had started feeling thirsty. Sean sighed. You need to get out of that house, he said. It's too dangerous to stay there. I'll put in a request for an exorcism, and in the meantime, you can stay with me. Just out of curiosity, how would one know if they're being possessed, I asked. Oh, I think it would be fairly obvious in most cases. You'd probably lose control of your body, of your words, maybe even your thoughts. You might harm yourself. You could lose time, hours, or even days. I didn't want to hear anymore. Let me know if you hear back about that exorcism. Then I hung up before he could say anything else. I was too scared to listen anymore. I thought about going to Sean's tonight, but decided against it. Maybe pride kept me from abandoning my home... Maybe something else. A gnawing suspicion of the priest had begun to grow inside me. It started in my gut, filling my chest, and made its way to my brain. Why had I let him perform his stupid rituals? Why had I allowed him in my house at all? I can momentarily block these thoughts, blame them on poor sleep or stress, but they always manage to creep back in. They kept me awake until now. 332 My heart is pounding. I wish right now more than ever that I had suppressed every screaming instinct within me and gone to Sean's. Maybe there's still time. What do I have now? Maybe 45 seconds? I could get to my keys and get out the front door in that much time if I'm quick. Too late. There are the footsteps. The knocking. It's at my door. This is Father Sean Mueller. The date is March 3rd, 2021. The time is, uh, 3.33 p.m. This recording will serve as documentation of the exorcism of Henry Thompson. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow you can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the woods if you want more creepy content including the images that accompany each story follow me on instagram at the warning woods if you feel ready meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods thank you for listening